Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Church Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how Velocity has made a difference in your life, send us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. We're beginning a brand new series of messages this week. And really, it's not just the beginning of a new series, it's the beginning of a new season. Uh, This month marks seven years for us as a church. Isn't that awesome? I have to, we have to try. There must be a lot of new people here. This marks seven years for us as a church. And uh, I tell you what, that's significant for a lot of reasons. And I love your enthusiasm on that, by the way. One, it's not just significant in terms of the number seven in scripture. I mean, it's significant because of that. But one, we're grateful for what God has done. Man, when we moved here, we had a dream in our heart. We didn't know what was going to happen, but we can look back and see, man, God has been so good. I see so many people, and I think about how God has worked in your life individually, and I know how God is working in your life right now. And that just makes me grateful to God to be a part of a church that is changing lives, that's making a difference in our city. Of course, it's significant in Scripture, but even seven years, that number is significant. It represents a life cycle. It's, it's really a clear shift of moving from one season into another season. And I want to use today as a setup, I want to speak in two, two parts. I want to speak to your life and what God wants to do in your life. And I believe you're going to see God do in your life. And then I want to speak to our church for just a minute. You know, I learned this principle long ago that what's good for the body is good for the individual. And so I want to spend some time speaking to our church, but you're going to find some things that apply to your life and what God would say to you. And we're going into this new season with this series, Ever Endeavor. I love that video, by the way, because it it really introduces so well what this series is about. Ever Endeavor, it's kind of a play on words. Hopefully you got that. There's this phrase all throughout Scripture. You see it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And whenever it's used, roughly 30 times you find this phrase in Scripture, it's always connected with God's glory, God's character, and God's attributes. But it's kind of a strange phrase. Wouldn't you agree? Like ever and ever. Why can't you just say forever? Be good with it. You know, always just be done with it. Why do you have to throw that extra ever in there? But one thing you should know about Scripture is that the Bible is intentional. Every time it uses a word or says something a certain way, it's deliberate in how it says it. And so I went about studying this. And what's fascinating is if you study this, like I said, it's both in Old Testament and New. In Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, it's not the same word ever and ever. It's actually two different words. It's this phrase, olam ad. Now, I recognize I haven't even got to my scripture. I'm still in my introduction. I'm already giving you some Hebrew words. You know it's going to be a good sermon when I do this. But let me just go here for a minute, set this up for you. Olam, ad. Now, olam, that's, that's like, makes sense. It means at all times. That's what we think of when we think of ever. At at every opportunity, at all times, always, olam. That's what it means. But that word ad is different. And it caught my attention when I was looking at that, that word add, it means to pass over or to progress. It means, it carries with this idea of being in motion or direction 
towards the highest limit possible and then exceeding it, breaking through all I'm at ever and ever. And as I've been praying just over this next season, what God has for us and really praying for you, what God wants to do in your life, this phrase has just been in my heart, this ever endeavor. And, and, and here's the idea that we would always be the kind of church that at all times we're, we're moving forward, we're stretching, we're reaching, we're progressing, we're, we're doing all of this to bring God glory, to reflect God's character and to honor God with our efforts. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And that's what I believe God wants to do in our life. And so it's with that idea in mind that I want us to look together at a passage of scripture today found in the book of Joshua. Now, Joshua, if you don't know anything about that book, Joshua is a book of exploits. Right before we get to the book of Joshua, you read about the nation of Israel, the, the Israelites. They had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. Their leader at that time, Moses, the guy who brought them out of Egypt, he's now dead. Joshua has taken over. And now that Joshua has taken over, they're moving into the land that God has promised them. Now, it's worth mentioning that it was never God's plan for them to wander around in the desert for 40 years. Some of you might know the story. God's, God's plan was to bring them into his promised land all along from the very beginning. But what happened was Moses, he, whether he was being strategic or he had some doubts, the Bible doesn't really say, but he sent some scouts into the land. And the majority of these scouts, they come back with this report that says, we can't go in there. It's too big for us. There's giants there. If we try, we're going to fail. There's no use in even trying. There's no use in even attempting. Why even bother? However, two of these scouts, they came back with a different report. And they said, you know, it is big. It will be hard. But we believe that we serve a God that is at all times, always, exceeding and moving towards the highest limit and breaking through it and that there's no goal or no obstacle in our path that's too big that he won't be able to overcome it. We can take this land. That's what they said. And these two guys are Joshua and Caleb. Now, we don't know a lot about Caleb in scripture. We don't hear a lot about his story, but in Joshua chapter 14, where we're gonna take a look at today, uh, we get a glimpse of his courage and his character. So at this point in the Bible, the Israelites, they've wandered in the desert. They've crossed the Jordan. They've fought some battles. They've been victorious. And now Joshua and Caleb, they're reminiscing about how God has moved in their life, what he's done, how he's brought them through. And it's in the middle of this conversation, Caleb speaks up, and that's where we're going to jump in. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10, Caleb speaking. He says, now then. The Lord has kept his promise. He's kept me alive for 45 years from the time he said this to Moses. During that time, we all wandered in the desert. Now, here I am, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me out. And I am just as ready to fight now as I was then. So give me this mountain that the Lord promised me. 
Back then, you heard that the Anakai people lived there and the cities were large and well-protected. But now, with the Lord helping me, I'll force them out, just as the Lord said. I love this interaction between these two men of faith because Caleb isn't just looking back at all God brought them through. He's looking around at all God brought them to. And he's saying, you know what? I may be 85 years old, but God's not done with me yet. God, God might have done some things in the past, but I believe God wants to do something right now. I believe what God wants to do is not just someday out in the future. That'll be great. I hope it happens. I believe God wants to use me right now. So I'm calling this message today, if you're taking notes, now more than ever. Now more than ever. It's always my custom to pray. If it's your first time here, I would just ask that you bow your head with me. I'm going to pray that God is going to speak to you today and that he's going to use me, and that we'd all have hearts to receive. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your word and for your truth. And God, I ask that you would use me in these remaining moments, Lord, to bring a word of encouragement, to bring a word of hope, and to bring a now word for people, Father. You know exactly what people are facing. You know what they're going through. You know what they've endured. And God, I'm asking that your, as your word goes forth, it'll be like a seed sown on good ground today, that it'll take root and produce fruit in their lives. I believe you're gonna do it, God. And we all say who agree with this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we started this church seven years ago, we started it with a dream in our heart to be part of a move of God, really to ignite a move of God in our city. And I don't know, maybe that seems kind of audacious to you, like a big thing to believe, but I actually believe it's God who puts big dreams in our hearts. You know, you don't have to look very far. You see, that's how we're wired. That's how God created us. I think of my kids have you ever talked to a kid and you ask them what they want to be when they grow up? They always have these like most outlandish things that they want to be. Maybe it's just my kids. I don't know. It seems to be a topic of conversation around my house. But my kids are talking about all these things that they want to do and all these things they want to be when they grow up. And honestly, they need some help. I need you to pray for them because like they have the craziest things like, uh, you know, talk about being a spy, like they, they want to be a spy or they, or they want to uh, be on the SWAT team or uh, they want to be a race car driver. Uh, Grant, I was taking them to school the other day. I, you would think that maybe they get race car driver from riding in the back seat with me, but that is not true. Um, <laughs> he was saying, Dad, you know what I want to be when I grow up? He's like, what? I, I said, what? And, and he's like, I want to be a race car driver. I was like, you don't want to be a pastor? He's like, no, that's, that's too safe. I want some danger in my life. Oliver, he doesn't even, he just wants to be rich. That's all. I just want to make money. I just want to be rich. I don't care. Uh, Pippa is the one you really need to pray for, though, because she wants to be either a princess or a puppy. And um, honestly, I think she's got a better shot of a puppy. But uh, that, that's pretty much my life. But I'm just saying God puts these dreams in our heart, not dreams to be a puppy, that's weird, but he puts these big dreams, this dream for big things, this dream to do something great, this dream to be used by him. And somewhere along the line, things can change. Somewhere along the line, I don't know what happens. Maybe it's just with age, the dream in our heart begins to fade, or maybe it's the pressures of life 
tend to beat it out of us and we become jaded towards things that we had hoped for and that dream dies. That's what I love about this passage in Joshua because Caleb is 85 years old. Not making a comment on age, I'm just saying he's lived a full life, okay? He's lived a full life. Not just hard things, but good things. He was born a slave, suffered years of slavery, backbreaking labor. He's wandered around in the desert aimlessly, had dreams of going in and had those dreams deferred. He's fought some battles, been bloodied and bruised. And now he's 85 years old. It'd be easy for him to give up. It's not just the hard things, though, it's the good things. I mean, he's seen God do a lot of amazing things. He's watched God bring them out of slavery, something that the nation of Israel had been in for 400 years. They never thought it would happen. Talk about breaking a streak. That, that, that's, a, that's a breaking a streak right there. He, they, they, he had seen God part the Red Sea. That's never happened before. Seen God miraculously provide supernaturally in the desert. Seen God bring down the walls of a city just because they march around it. All these different things. He's seen some hard things and he's seen some amazing things. It'd be very easy for him to say, I've had a full life. I've, I've had it beat out of me. I don't want to believe anymore. Or I've seen so much. I'm good with where I'm at but he doesn't say that. He held on to this promise that he received from God 45 years earlier. He says, now, now then, the Lord has kept his promise, kept me alive for 45 years from the time he said this to Moses during the time we all wandered in the desert. Now, here I am, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out. And I'm just as ready to fight now as I was then. So give me this mountain. Hey, you heard back then, Anakai people lived there. Cities were large, well-protected. But now, right now, the Lord is helping me. And I'll force them out just as he said. He says, I'm not holding out hope for one day in the future of things being different. I'm not looking back regretting the things that happened in the past or wishing for those days in the past. No, I'm embracing the fact that God has something for me right now. And what I want you to see today is that the things that God wants to do in your life begin right now. They start now. For us, looking back seven years, we had this dream of igniting a move of God in the city. And we started really small, but we had a big dream. Seven years, and God has done some amazing things. Obviously, he's expanded us. No place where we're gonna be, but God has been so good to us. And this dream really started with a desire to be part of a church that I could invite my friends to. Now, one thing you gotta understand about me is I grew up in church. I didn't grow up bitter towards the church. I didn't start this church out of, 
man, there's something wrong with the church. We need to do it better. We need to do it different. No, I love the church. My life was shaped by the church. My dad was my pastor growing up. I always had a heart for the church, but I just knew that what I wanted to see God do, it wasn't gonna work the way I had been doing it. God wanted to do something different. And it's funny because sometimes people on the team, I've heard people say to me before, it's like, man, I wish I could have been here when it started. Like, it would have been so cool like to just see what God has, well, probably first, no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> but I wish I could have been here when it started. But the reason that's funny is because I remember people saying to me, hey, let me know once you get going. And see, here's the reality, that what God wants to do in your life isn't in something in the past, and it's not in something in the future. It's right now. And if you miss out on right now, you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. In fact, I'll prove it to you. There's a story in the New Testament. It's a pretty well-known story. It's a story where Jesus turned the water into wine. In fact, what's interesting about the story is it was the very first miracle that Jesus ever worked. Little context on the story. We don't know all the details, but Jesus was invited to this wedding. Apparently, uh, there's a wedding emergency. We don't know exactly how, but it seems as if Mary, Jesus' mother, is the wedding coordinator for this reception. And uh, just like every mom, when there's an emergency, she's like, boy, go do this. So she says to her son, hey, you need to go do something about this. We ran out of refreshments for the guests. Get on it. Well, Jesus does his thing, turns the water into wine. But I want to point out to you, John chapter 2, verse 9, this is what it says. Then the man in charge tasted it. The master of ceremonies, the MC, the, the chef, the chief caterer, he tasted it, th this water that had become wine. And he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servants who brought the water knew. He called the bridegroom and said to him, hey, people always serve the best wine first. Later, after everybody's drunk, that's when they bring out the cheaper wine. He says, but you have saved the best until now. Now, for years, I've always heard this misquoted, that Jesus saved the best for last. In fact, I've said it that way, that Jesus saved the best for last. And we think, oh, well, the first shall be last, the last shall be, no, but that's not what it says. It says that he saved the best for now. And the reason that's an important distinction is because if you're not careful, you'll live life that way. That the best is always somewhere way out there. I hope it happens someday. I know God's got his best for me, but it's not here yet. It will happen, but it's somewhere way out there. That the blessing of God, the move of God that you want to see, the peace of God that you need in your life, that it's always out there. But what I want you to see is that he saves his best for right now, right now. We need to be careful we're not just living with hope for the future. I love having hope for the future. We talk about having hope for the future. But if all you ever have is hope for the future, you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life in this moment. You see, lives are changed right now. We're igniting a move of God right now. We're not hoping that starts someday. It's starting right now. 
the, the victory you're believing for, it starts right now. And that's what stood out to me about Caleb. Because in looking back on all that God had done, he didn't believe that God was done. See, there were two things I see in his life that allowed him to operate this way. I want to give them to you. He had a perspective and he knew his purpose. A perspective and his purpose. Proper perspective and he knew his purpose. I say it this way. He had a fresh look and a clear call. A fresh look and a clear call. And if you're here today and you've thought that your best days are behind you, that what God, what God wants to do in your life is in the past, or you're looking off to someday in the future for God to really do something great, or you're looking off into the future until you can really step into your purpose, I want to challenge you to get a fresh look and a clear call. See, Caleb didn't let everything that had happened in his past keep him from seeing the potential of right now. He didn't let the fact that he was 85 years old keep him from obtaining God's promise for him right now. Think about all the things that happened in his life. It could have been easy for him to say, well, yeah, I was born a slave. I'm always going to be a slave. And I said, even though I was born a slave, I can still be a landowner now. You know, he was one of the spies, him and Joshua. He didn't get picked to lead. Joshua got picked to lead. He could have become bitter about, hey, why wasn't I picked? No, he didn't let the fact he wasn't picked to lead the nation of Israel keep him from being a leader of this initiative right now. You know, he didn't let the fact that Moses, his leader, had died. He didn't let the sorrow of yesterday keep him from being excited about the future right now. See, Caleb had this fresh look and a clear call. He approached this moment and said, I remember what God has said, but I have vision for what's ahead. I've got vision for right now. Look at what he says in the last part of verse 12. He says, back then, you heard that the Anakite people lived there, that the cities were large and well-protected, but now, with the Lord helping me, I'll force them out just as the Lord has said. I wonder what perspectives you're carrying right now that you need to shed. Some old perspectives that you need to approach with a fresh look. Maybe it's this thought that you'll never be married again or you're too old to be married now. Maybe it's this thought that says it'd be foolish to try and shift careers this late in the game. Can't do that now. Maybe... It's the one that says, no one's ever going to love you after what you've been through. Maybe it's this thought that says, you'll always feel this way. This is your life now. Just get used to it. Maybe it's this thought that says, you're always going to struggle with this thing. Maybe it's this idea that your marriage is always going to be this way. I don't know what it is for you, but Caleb, he says, that's how it was back then, but now. But now, with the Lord helping me, it'll happen just as he said. And so you need a fresh look today. And as we celebrate seven years with our church, 
I want to be clear with you that our best days are not behind us. That your great days are not in the past. And they're not somewhere way out there in the future. We've got God's best right now. We serve that kind of God. He's not a God of the past. He's not a God waiting to show off someday in the future. Scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you would understand that, you would realize that you can experience God's best for you right now. So as we close out one season and we step into a new season, I want us as a church to approach the season with a fresh look, with a fresh look. And I'll show you what I mean by that. We got a new look. We got a new look. Man, I wish you'd be more excited about that. We got a new look. Now, I won't take a long time to talk about this, but here's what I want to say. What we're doing practically, I mean it spiritually. Next Sunday when you come here, it is going to look different. We're going to have all new signage. We're going to have all new everything, website, everything's going to be different. But just like we're doing this practically, I want you to do this spiritually. We can't step into the season that God has for us right now with old outlooks, with old perspectives, with old paradigms. God wants to do something now, and he wants to do something new. So we're changing our look, because I believe there's still some mountains for us to take. I believe there's still some limits for us to break through. And we can't take the mountains in front of us if we're always looking back. We're always thinking about how it used to be and what it was back then. We'll never act if we're just thinking that it's somewhere off ahead. But it's not just the fresh look. And that's pretty fresh, I have to say. I like that. And it's going to be great. We're going to have merch and all that kind of stuff next week. It's going to be amazing. New team shirts. Everybody gets a free shirt if you're on a team. That's why you want to be on a team. I mean, if nothing else, get a free shirt. <laughs> but we also need a clear call. We need a clear call. You know, I look at Caleb, and he had a clear call. He understood not just what he was supposed to do, but he understood who he was. Look at some of the things he said. He said, now the Lord has kept his promise. Now, here I am. I'm still here, and I'm still strong today. I'm ready to fight now. Now give me this mountain. Now the Lord, help me all force mountain. It's this idea. It says, I'm here, I'm strong, I'm ready, I can. He knew who he was. It's a clear call. See, it's not just knowing what you're supposed to do. you got to know who you are. This is where I want to speak to the church for just a minute. Because if Velocity is your church, you got to know who we are and what we're about. And so I don't just want to give you a fresh look. I want to show you a clear call about who we are. We put that next one on the screen for me. We have a culture here at our church, and our culture is very important to me. That's what makes us unique. We don't think we're the only church. We don't think that we're the only church that God can use, but we do know that God has a special and unique 
call on us. And these are some of the things that make us unique as a church. You got to know who we are. These are, we call them our culture points. And if you notice, we're shifting something a little bit in our language, because we used to have four and now we have five. And I didn't add one. I just wanted to become more clear about who we are. I can't change who we are. Who we are is who we are. But I wanted it to be more clear for everybody. So let me just walk through these real quick. We exude passion. What's that about? Exuding passion is about an intentional response. This is who we are. That means that, man, when we come in and worship, we lift our hands. You know why? Because we're thinking about the one who died on the cross for our sins, who paid the ultimate price so that we could be free, so that we could have life. When I think about that, how can I not be intentional? How can I not give him my everything? Not just in worship, it's in the word. It's when we come in, we're taking notes, we're engaging with the sermon. Why? Well, it's an intentional response because we believe that I need this. God is going to speak to me when I get here. God is going to give me a word, not just to help me, but to help somebody else. It's an intentional response. When, when we think about the things we do, the songs we, we sing, or the way things look, we think about who is this communicating to? We want to make sure this is done with excellence. We want to make sure this is done with enthusiasm. We want to make sure this is done with creativity. Why? Because everything we do, it reflects the fact that that there is somebody on the other end whose destiny is in the balance, whose life is in the balance. There is a heaven and a hell. We want to be intentional. It's about an intentional response. When we talk about we love sacrifice, that's part of who we are at this church. What does that mean? It's about right priorities, right priorities. It means that, you know, there's lots of things that I could be doing on Sunday morning, but it's a priority for me to get here. It's a priority because you know why? Because I love the God that made me, created me, and saved me. It's a priority. It means that I'm going to be on a team. You know why? There's lots of things I could do with my time. It's a little bit of an extra sacrifice, but it's a priority to give back to the one who gave so much for me. When I think about giving, it's, I want to give him my first and my best. You know, there's lots of things that I could do with all my money if I just think about myself and I'm selfish with it. And it might be a sacrifice to give my first and my best to God. But it's about a right priority because I know that when I trust God with the first, he can do more in my life than if I just try and hoard it all to myself. It's about a right priority. How about the next one? We exude passion. Or, I'm sorry. We embrace risk. We embrace risk. It's this idea that it's impossible to follow God and serve God without a life of faith. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And this has been so powerful for me because, see, lots of times in the church world, we think about faith as trust. We think about faith as, hey, when you go through a hard time, when you go through a difficult time, like just trust God and it'll be okay. And that is part of faith. And I don't want to diminish that aspect. But I want a church that has the faith like Caleb, who says, give me this mountain. There's something for me to take. I, I want a church that has the kind of faith like Peter, who walks out on the water. This has never been done before. I, I, I want the, uh, to be a part of a church that has the kind of faith that says, hey, we're not going to settle for small thinking. We're not going to insult God with small thinking. 
but we're going to take bold steps. We're going to set some impossible goals. We're going to watch God. We're going to believe big. It's about bold faith. Now, these next two is where we just had one before. And we used to say, we're family. And I know some people are like, oh, does that mean we're not family anymore? I'm so sad about that. No, it doesn't mean that. You can't change that. That's, that goes without saying. You're part of the family of God. You know, just because we don't have it on doesn't mean we don't love Jesus. If we said everything we're a part of, like we wouldn't have just a few essentials. We're, we're family, but it wasn't clear. That was the issue. It wasn't clear. Because lots of times you think about family, family means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For some people, family means brokenness. For some people, family means dysfunction. For some people, family means pain. And that's absolutely not what we meant. But here's what we do mean. We believe that everybody matters. It's about valuing people. That, that, that's what this is about. When we say we show honor, it's the next one. That, that's the value of what we were wanting to say with family. See, I think about my family. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a son. I've got different roles. I operate, but you know, being dad or husband doesn't make me better or worse than my wife. She can do things I can't do. I can do things she can't do. We both have value. Even my kids, they have things they're gonna do that I'll never be able to do. I want them to stand on my shoulders. They have value. Think about my dad. I'm, I'm a son. He's older than me. I got some things I can do he can't do, but man, he's wise. He's got experience. I wanna show honor for that. It's about valuing people. This is what we're gonna do as a church. What We're gonna show honor, not just to our leaders, but we're gonna show honor to our people, to our guests when they come in. We're gonna show honor to our city officials. We're gonna show honor to our community partners. Like, this is who we are. We're gonna be the kind of church that values people. When we show honor to others, it honors God. But when we value people, what we're saying is we remember that God so loved the world, most well-known verse in scripture, that he gave the most precious gift, his only begotten son. It's about valuing that. It's about valuing people. And the last one, though, is my favorite. Next one is we win together. This was the other part of we're family. Because I think about, like, with my wife and I, we don't always agree on everything. We have disagreements. But we're committed to a common purpose. We're committed to raising our kids. We're committed to each other. We're committed to fulfilling God's call for life. We don't always agree, but we're united in our purpose. And this really, it better articulates that value that was always in my heart. I want to say a couple things about this. When we went together, here's what I got to tell you about our church. It means that we can't win alone. It means that's why you need to be here. You need some other people in your life. You, you need to be united. You need to be connected. You need to be part of a team. You need to be part of a group. You need to be part of a body. You can't win alone. If you try and live this life by yourself, you, you won't win. You won't make it. We win together. The other thing it tells me is that when one person wins, it's a team win. When that person makes the decision to get baptized, or when that person raises their hand to accept Christ, you know what that means? It means that everybody who's on a team had a part in it. 
Everybody who gave to this church had a part in it. We couldn't have made those invite cards without the creative team designing it. Couldn't have set the stage for the sermon without the creative team making that video. We, we wouldn't have had a comfortable environment without the campus team setting up the place and making it clear for so everybody knows what to go. And there would have been people distracted without the kids team and next gen team ministering to kids and watching kids. Wouldn't have had the comfortable environment without the guest services team greeting people at the door, letting people know that they belong here, letting people know that they matter. Without the worship teams and production teams setting the atmosphere in the auditorium. It takes everybody doing their part. It's not just because I get up and give an invitation. And so you see, when one person wins, we all win. It's a team win. But the other aspect of it is this, is that when one person's hurting, man, we're all hurting. I want you part of a team so I can pray for you, so your teammates can pray for you. I want you in a group so your group can walk with you through the things that you're walking through. We gotta be in this together. And I like the fact it says we win. Because see, it's not just holding hands, singing kumbaya, we're just gonna wait till Jesus comes back. Now we have a goal in mind. We have a clear call. We have a mission that we're about to bring those far from God, near to life in Christ. We're united. We might not agree on everything, but we're united in our purpose. Let me show you this last one. You just put that on the screen for me. Just wanna give you some vision for what's next. You know, one day, you guys could have clapped for that too. I'm just going to get after you for not clapping. But I'm believing that God is going to do some great things in our church. There's some new mountains for us to take. And it takes a fresh look and a clear call. And I don't know what that is for you in your life, but I want to challenge you today to get a fresh look and a clear call. Not just looking at what happened in the past and not just hoping for someday out in the future, but right now, God wants to use you now. Who he has said you are. If we can change some of our language, then you can change some of the things you've been saying about yourself. Some, some of the things that you've been saying, this is the way it is, the way it's always gonna be, this is who I am. You need to find some new language. Get a new look and a new language today. I hope you hear that. And I hope that you don't miss the gift of right now.